Welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Zach, and with me this week, uh, you may know him from AIPT, uh, the X-Men Monday columns. Uh, it's Chris Hassan. Chris, how you doing? I'm great, Zach. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. I know we've talked about uh, doing this for a while, and just kind of worked out. We're going to we're going to talk about some fun stuff today, aren't we? I got you I got you in for a, such a special time. This is a great time. I I think I requested a Cyclops show and uh, it looks like we got some Cyclops here, so I'm excited. <laughs> we did we did get a bit of Cyclops, a bit of someone Cyclops related. Uh, it's a whole thing. And this whole thing is possible thanks to Patreon supporter Alexander Lundquist. Uh, Alexander went on over to patreon.com and he threw money our way uh, asking us to talk about Uncanny X-Men 495 to 499, Divided We Stand. Uh, first note, we're recording this on New Year's Day, and I yelled a lot last night. Uh, <laughs> so if my voice cracks, shut up about it. And I am also getting over a cold, so this is not my usual tone. I don't know. It makes for, it makes for some good radio here. You've got this deep, <laughs> dulcet voice. And I'm just sitting here like a prepubescent kid, <laughs> one way or another. We're soothing people into the new year. Soothing into the new year. That's that's what I want uh, in this, the year of 2020. Uh, and in 20, 2019, I think we can all say it was the pits. Uh, it, was, it was a rough year for everyone involved. Uh, it mm-hmm. took a decade to get there. Uh, but we're, <laughs> we're, in, we're in a new one here. And, you know, we may be divided, but divided... We stand. And no, that doesn't make any sense. And I don't know what Ed Brubaker was thinking uh, in this five-part story written by him with pencils by Mike Choi uh, with Ben Oliver helping out at the end there. Uh, yeah. Chris, you were actually kind of excited when we, we picked this story. Uh, what, what happens in this, this one? Um, well, it starts off, well, this is, what, what was this after? This was after Messiah Complex. Messiah Complex, yeah. So the X-Men have disbanded. Um, I think this is the first time in their history this has ever happened, where the X-Men threw in the towel. They've never broken up before. So it starts off with Cyclops and Emma Frost, um, are in the Savage Land, uh, taking a little time off to be together, and I guess hang out with, uh, Kazar and Shauna, and then watch some Triceratops, uh, fight clubbing. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, if I've gotta relax, that's the way I'd want to do it. <laughs> um... But that's pretty good. And then in the in the the, the other plot is uh, Colossus, Wolverine, and Nightcrawler uh, head to Europe. And uh, I believe this is the the point of this is so Colossus can kind of uh, get himself back together after Kitty went off in the bullet and Astonishing, right? Yeah, which I'm trying to remember because I know I know how delayed Astonishing was. Yeah, I believe <clears throat> it had wrapped up by now, and that was common knowledge, but. That was that was a book that took four years to get out uh, twenty five issues. Yeah, I was trying to remember. I was like, okay, where is this before Magneto brought her back? Is this after? And I was like, okay, this is after Astonishing because um, I do remember there's a long time where Colossus was depressed about Kitty. 
Um, and he got a tattoo. That was after this, right? That, that was, was that was pretty soon after this. Yeah, he yeah. Gets, he gets okay. a rose tattoo that's never brought up. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe he's been resurrected without the tattoo. Oh, good for him. Good for him. It's it's a good uh, a good feature of the five is that they can get bad choices taken away from you. Uh, so <laughs> if you happen to get like knuckle tats or a big skull on your face, all you have to do all you have to do is just you know slip up during a fight. And then in a week or so, you'll be back brand new. So then uh, Angel, I think, uh, sent a distress call or something to Cyclops or something's going down in San Francisco. And then uh, what happens from there, Zach? Well, what happens from there is that uh, Angel and Hepzibah uh, end up in San Francisco with like Warpath and some other people. And it turns out that Martinique Jason, uh, Lady... <laughs> Is she just Mastermind? Is she ma- Lady Mastermind? She's regular Mastermind. She's, there's there's two Lady Masterminds, right? That's that's what I always assumed. They're sisters, uh, but one of them goes by Lady Mastermind, and one of them just goes by Mastermind. So what happens now? She makes everyone. She Mastermind's makes, been resurrected on Krakoa, uh, the original. I don't, I don't know. They say, "Dad, you suck. Go go somewhere else." This is our <laughs> name now. Do you think he's running around on Krakoa? I think with everything everyone, he's done to Gene, I think everyone's running around everywhere, and it's it's free reign. Uh, it's <laughs> it's they're looking at you and saying, "If you screw up, our island will vor you." <laughs> um, so what does she do? <laughs> she makes everyone think it's 1969, and it's a whole summer of love thing where they're worshiping her, and. Like, it's a whole let me thing. ask you. She doesn't let me even ask have a question. memories, though, so it's it's weird. She's kind of a non non uh, event in this story. Let me ask you uh, a deep question, Zach. Um, I'm here. I love I love Ed Brubaker. I love this Captain America. Do you think that he needed to spend five issues digging into this uh, hippie plot in San Francisco? Uh, Ed Brubaker's run on X Men could pretty easily be defined as taking too long to tell a bad story. <laughs> Yeah. Or do you um, not remember the 12 issues of the rise and fall of the Shi'ar Empire? <laughs> well, you know, it's funny when I was rereading this, and I have not read this run or Fractions run since they came out. Um, I was thinking of everyone is in character. It's a fine story, but I don't think there's any voice. You know, a lot of X-Men writers, they have a voice for their era of X-Men, and I don't see this as having anything more than kind of like... A Saturday morning cartoon kind of vibe. This is yeah. like an it's... episode of the X Men cartoon, or a video game, or like a Pizza Hut tie-in comic, or whatever. It's nothing unique. It it doesn't have anything to carry it, and I think that's you know with the run that follows this with Fractions run, I think there's a similar problem there. You can see in both of those titles, the best parts are when they team up with the larger X office with guys like Mike Carey, uh, Chris Kyle, and Craig Yost. Uh, Zeb Wells uh, with Fraction, and they tell a bigger story in things like Messiah Complex or Utopia or um, Mm -hmm. Second Coming. And here, it just, it feels very generic X-Men. Now, some of that, I don't know how much blame you can throw on Brubaker, because like we mentioned, Astonishing was the flagship book. It was the one all the attention was on. So he may have had his hands a little tied here, but that doesn't excuse a boring story. 
Yeah, I don't. I mean, even when we're the they they get captured in Russia, and then uh, it's only a matter of time for like, oh, here's a mega red. Why? Because we're in Russia. Yeah, uh, it's, it was. <laughs> it's like baby's first X Men story. That it's all the first thing you'd think of. And I think the. I mean, it re, it gets. I don't want to say interesting, but because knowing what came after when they bring in the mayor of San Francisco and kind of like, okay, this is where you're going to live now. I kind of wondered, was this just five issues just to set up the new status quo? Did we need all this before to get there? You you sure needed to uh, get all the divided we stand tie-ins out. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, this one this one's not my fave. Uh, I think there's... There's some redeeming qualities to it, but one of the things I really dislike here is uh, Mike Choi's art. I am not a Mike Choi fan uh, by any okay. means. I think his art is bad. I did enjoy the art. Um, just be, it's very. Uh, everyone looks beautiful. It's very. It reminds me a lot of like a comic convention art you'd see in Artist Alley. Yes. Um, it's the very kind of art shiny. you'd see. Yeah. Uh, like if I want to buy a Harley Quinn print. <laughs> This guy would be drawing it, I feel like. Yeah, you have a... You you would have options on that, but yeah. It's, <laughs> it's very digital. Uh, yes. <clears throat> I know uh, when I was or on a different podcast, friends of the show, uh, Chris and Christy Edelman, were talking mm-hmm. about Messiah Complex that has a lot of the same issues from coloring on this, and they described it as everyone looks kind of sticky. Yeah. And you really get that here. It's everyone's shiny, and it's just... It doesn't work for me. This is this is a weird five issues because this is the end of Brubaker's run. He just he just like him and Fraction do the first issue of the next mm-hmm. arc five hundred, and then they hand it off, and he goes and you know keeps being very good at like Captain America or Criminal yeah. or all the other stuff he does. Yeah, it all it all reads as kind of like a placeholder, um, which is interesting because we weren't really trying to get anywhere. It wasn't like a Hickman situation because I don't the next big thing after this I don't remember what it was. But it's not like there was a huge shift. Yeah, they just moved to San Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> We've got some placeholders on this list. Yeah. Uh, this list that has 315 X-Men comics on it, uh, with the number one comic being, of course, the Dark Phoenix Saga, uh, the number 100 comic being All New Dupe, uh, the <clears> number <throat> 200 comic being the X-Men Gold One-Shot, not the one that Mark Guggenheim wrote, Uh Number 300 is uh, Marvel Superheroes Quarterly Specials uh, 6 through 8. Mm-hmm. And then 315 is the Draco, which is actually worse. Um, Where so, do we have other stuff from this run? I know you guys had reviewed, um, what is it, the Outbreak story or something? Uh, yeah, the Contagion story or whatever it is. Uh, mm, yeah. That's a good one. I think that one's probably better. Long time listener, Zach. I know. I know my battle of the Adam rankings. Yeah, you're quarantine. It's called quarantine. <laughs> that that's a good pick. That right now is at two oh eight. This story okay. also has art I don't like, uh, but I think Fraction is tying into better ideas here. He's at least trying to do and say something uh, mm-hmm. in quarantine that I don't think Brubaker really is. Yeah, I I think the strength of this, I mean, aside from just everyone being status quo um, and just being fine, I do think one of the strengths is it's a look at Scott and Emma's relationship. And, you know, I've, uh, I'm a public uh, advocate for the Scott and Gene relationship, but I also can understand why Scott and Emma worked. 
And I think the that first part, um, just seeing them, you know, kind of being intimate and, and talking to each other and supporting each other, I think that was a highlight of this, this arc. Would I you agree with that? I think that's fair. Uh, I do think you say advocate, and I say uh, twisting the ear of Marvel editorial every way to get your, uh, you know, jot uh <laughs> your jot manipulations going through the line look you know that it sells <laughs> controversy creates cash man uh, tell you what. uh what, what i would say is just a bit below quarantine at 220 mm-hmm. is x-men kingbreaker which is a emperor vulcan story that i think <laughs> which, which i read but also don't remember so <laughs> let's be similar that's fair uh how about this? This is one I'm sure you've read. Extinction Agenda. Better or worse? Um, oof. I mean, I think that's hard. The Extinction Agenda, when you read it again, is kind of a mess. The art is all over the place. Yes. Um, but it's just one of those things we grew up with, knowing it was important. Even though I don't even know if it was. But um, it's like it's like growing up after Citizen Kane and just saying, oh, that's something I have to respect. <laughs> Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. You know what? You know what? Actually, it's just right down on this list, <clears throat> right below that. At mm-hmm. two thirty-four is Uncanny X-Men X-Core, which is the story where Banshee makes his own paramilitary corps that mm-hmm. Mastermind manipulates. Oh uh, yes, Mastermind. Yeah. I think this is probably better than that, but I don't know if it's better than the two thousand five Age of Apocalypse. Uh, I mean, it's all things that I've forgotten about that existed. <laughs> so I'm going to defer to you, but I think we're in a good area. Yeah, this will be our new uh, 234, Uncanny X-Men, Divided We Stand. Ooh, my first ranking. Oh, aren't you so proud? They grow up so I am fast. especially proud that the next story is going to be even higher. This might even be in the top ten, right? Uh, this this story, it's an interesting... <laughs> hold on, hold on, Chris. So, something's coming in. Uh... Hold on, I gotta take this text. Sorry, uh, what's that? Beep, 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 It's an X-Men update. Wow. I'm excited to be on a show with an X-Men update. Aren't you, though? Aren't you, though? Uh, we've talked, uh, in the past, and I know I've participated in things for our, uh, the site you work with, Adventures in Poor Taste, uh, about the X-Men, Nate Gregg, and his very bad fashion choices. Yeah, you did a <laughs> X-Men Fashion Friday article with us, and we did talk about this outfit, and the minute I opened this comic, I remember that, and I was like, oh my god, <laughs> this is that issue. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is this is the issue where Nate Gray wears a baby doll tee that says the Pixies <laughs> on it, and has an MC5 belt buckle. Uh, I do believe uh, that, that that costume I gave... Uh, the score of a poop emoji out of ten. <laughs> and I have it with me, but that sounds about right. I mean, I I, I pulled it up. Believe me, I'm checking this. Uh, <laughs> by the way, uh, in case you have not heard my Nate Gray uh, Pixies uh, reference, it's that Nate Gray only knows one Pixie song, and that's just because Where's My Mind plays at the end of Fight Club. Uh, he thinks Doolittle just sounds like a bunch of noise, which is appalling to me that scene where he's walking through the park in the beginning of the issue and everyone is is freaking out that he's got a new outfit um that's that's pretty crazy it's so good this <laughs> is this is x-man 34 to 36 messiah complex it is not that one though 
Um, you can uh, give a recap of this, because I read this again. I have the physical issues, and I don't remember what this is about, and I read it two days ago. Okay, let's talk about this. <laughs> it, after, in the previous arc, saving a punk band from a grifter who was trying to murder all these people, uh, Nick Gray is treated as a messiah figure in New York. He's hanging out in Central Park uh, and living in a clock tower with these three radical ladies. Uh, they all have the same personality. Their names are Jam, Bucks, and uh, Marita. They all wear sunglasses. They all wear sunglasses. Uh, and they all hang out with Nate. And it's a whole thing. <clears throat> anyway, uh, one of them gets their arm uh, amputated after a motorcycle accident. Mm-hmm. And Nate Gray's like, no, I can help her. I can help her. And he regrows her arm, which is wild. Mm-hmm. And he goes through this whole crisis of faith, uh, doesn't know what he's going to do, how he's going to react, and he finds out uh, that one Zebediah Kilgrave, that's right, the Purple Man, mm-hmm. is actually behind all this and has been manipulating Nate for reasons that are never clear. <laughs> um, this, by yeah. the way, was written by Terry Kavanaugh uh, with art by Roger Cruz and Criss Cross. I used to love Roger Cruz art. Cruz swipes. <laughs> and I'm, I'm flipping through the issue here, and there's an ad for the Beast Wars Transformers PlayStation game in here, so that's cool. Okay. Um, Hold on. Pause. <laughs> Is did, it a Beast Wars update? <laughs> did play that. Did love it. Uh, had the demo. Thought it was great. You could run around with uh, Optimal Prime. I'm sorry. Wait, no. Optimus Primal. Uh, yep, he later yep. becomes Optimal Optimus Primal. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, after one after of the, he, the, after one he, of the worst looks ever, orange and blue. I had that toy. Uh, it's giant. <laughs> uh, because Optimus Primal uh, finds the Autobot ship that Optimus Prime was on, and his spark is kind of damaged inside the Matrix of Leadership. So he takes the Matrix of Leadership and puts it inside his chest for a little bit while they try and repair him, and then that mutates him into a new toy. Yep, that ship is called the Ark for I, fans at home. Yeah, I, I just watched that uh, part. I got into Transformers then, over the holiday. I don't think I, I know. It's exciting. That. It's exciting. <laughs> you I'm and I so are both excited the, about it. I the the weird crossroads between X Men fandom and Transformers fandom. So welcome to the club. I love those robots. They're so they're so great. Uh, Do you remember and, what happens to Megatron? He does the same thing as Optimal Optimus. Is that when he becomes a dragon? Yeah, it's weird. It's like the final like three episodes, he becomes a dragon. And he's like, I'm going to do that too and take that spark. And uh, it's weird. It makes no sense. All I remember... Being a T-Rex to a dragon. <laughs> all I remember about the final three episodes is that my boy Depth Charge uh, mm-hmm. goes out like a hero, uh, saving everyone from, what is it, Rampage? Rampage, yeah. <laughs> who, he's who, unkillable. Yeah, the unkillable cannibal Rampage. Uh, he he blows up a bunch of energon under the sea, and you just see his fins float up to the surface, knowing that he did a yep. good job saving the world. Love Depth Charge. Uh, that he's not in this X Men story though. <laughs> yeah, this is nothing to do with Transformers. <laughs> All right, um, what do you know about Purple Man? What other books have you read with Purple Man in it? And alias. Netflix shows. Alias. I, yeah. I, I read Jessica Jones' alias. <laughs> Sorry. That's, you want to read anything with the Purple Man on it? That's it. That's the one. Yeah. Bendis did so it I, good. I feel like when I saw him in this, he, he's he got like a, he's dressed like Black Bolt and he's got kind of like the pyro face tattoo. Yeah. Um, 
which is not the Kilgrave I know from Bendis's work. So that was weird. He does manipulate people in incredibly <clears throat> gross ways. So, you know, it's not a complete uh, turnaround. But yeah, it's it's interesting. His plot is never really uh, understood. Like he's working with Flag Smasher, uh, yeah. the uh, Antifa, uh, you know. I guess super, super, super communist, uh, who's never written well. Well, Flag Smasher's mm-hmm. bad, actually. Yeah. Uh, so it's got a lot of a lot of characters I don't like. It's got so much angst about uh, Nate Gray. He's upset when he finds out that he couldn't actually repair limbs from people, and that his friends are just going to have to live with their very reckless choices. Uh, it's a it's, lot. It's very boring. It's very, <laughs> it's terribly boring. Um, and did you? Re- it, this is the one that concludes with Spider Man, right? Oh yeah, his best friend Spider Man shows up yeah. <laughs> because they're on the George Washington Bridge, and he's like, "Wait, Nate, stop!" And then yeah, it goes it's... into this other arc where Spider Man's angsty about uh, Gwen Stacy dying. Yeah, I don't really know where this arc ended because it's, it's not very clear. Because it's like Kilgrave's gone, so I did read a little bit of the next one with the whole Gwen Stacy thing, but. I found it was very bold for the writer to insert this really deep moment where Peter Parker is revisiting the bridge where Gwen died, and then like an alternate version of Gwen from the Age of Apocalypse is created, and then he has oh, to yeah. save her. Age of Apocalypse it's so weird. Dead. I forgot. <laughs> Guys, it's really X-Man. weird, and it's like, why is this happening in X Men? <laughs> X Men as a series is just absolutely wild. Uh, it's not good. Uh, as long-time listeners will know, I have been cursed with uh, bound collections of the entire series. Uh, and it, it's the worst, actually. But, you know, yeah. it, I, I've, got some, I've got some connection to it. Uh, this, this wouldn't be the first time that X-Men and Spider-Man uh, hung out. They had already become new best friends at this point. But it's weird. This is a bad story. It's only good because it's so silly-looking. Uh, Nate Gray's mm-hmm. Nate Gray's just an absolute turd of a character. He had nothing going on during this run. He didn't. What's his personality in X Men besides angsty? Yeah, he's very angsty. And what is the idea? Like, he Spider Man stopped him from wiping everyone's memory of him or something? Was that what the yeah. thing was? Because he he decided he would rather just no one think he exists. Which and look, that's kind of what happened to Disassemble, right? He wiped his everyone's memory. Yeah. Look, buddy. I feel you. I also wish that I didn't know you existed. I'm kidding. <laughs> Everyone knows I loved Age of X-Man. Uh, it was great, and I loved that. Uh, but this this version of X-Man, like, ugh, throw him in the scrap pile. He's bad. Yeah, and the art changed a lot in this arc, so I did not enjoy that. It was a very muddled read. Yeah, uh, Roger <clears> Cruz, <throat> I'm not as hot on that era of artists like Cruz and Madeira. Uh, mm-hmm. They're just not my guys. Uh, but I think he's a lot stronger artist than Chris Cross, who does have a better name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did uh, Slingers, I want to say. Oh, the the comic with variant interiors. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all know um, about Slingers variant interiors, right? I don't. The Slingers was the uh, the four Spider-Man, right? Yeah, it's when Spider-Man killed a person. Uh, yeah. Not. So he had to go undercover as four different Spider-Men. Uh, Ricochet, yeah. uh the one Hornet. With Hornet, the one with the uh, cape, and then another one who was bad. Uh, Dusk and yeah. Prodigy. Prodigy, that's right. Yeah. Oh, man. Never read that. I have no desire to read it. Do only know it from my visual encyclopedia of Spider-Man. 
yeah, I, I remember reading the the art the trade where he kills someone. <laughs> he has to go on the run, but I haven't read the rest. So, yeah, uh, it's bad. This story's bad. How did how does it compare to you uh, to the first six one six X Men story, uh, the man who fell to Earth, um, where he falls to Earth, <clears throat> where they take the title of a well regarded David Bowie movie and <laughs> make it about Nate Gray, <laughs> which is a very Nate Gray thing to do. Yes, the true it is. Uh, uh, I don't remember that story. I remember it set up the weird relationship with Madeline Pryor. Um, it brought him here. So, you know, anything good that's come from that, I guess props to that first arc. Um, but this is definitely probably worse than that, because I feel like the first issues of that at least had some type of vision, and this book has lost all vision at this point. It really has. Uh, is this better than Crimson Dawn? <sighs> Man, I see, I... Oh, that's La Roca, right? Uh, yes, that's early Salvador La Roca. Yeah, I remember loving that art as a kid, um, but also don't remember that. I would probably say this is worse than that, because Warren and Betsy are more interesting characters. This probably isn't as bad as the Shatterstar saga from X-Force, uh, <laughs> which is another just absolutely wild story. I would put this at near the bottom... But it's got that Pixies t-shirt, which it makes does. it, here's, it's memeable. Here's what I'll say. <laughs> it can go as the new 301, right below Excalibur <clears throat> 1 through 4, Forging the Sword, the Chris Claremont Return to Excalibur. I've um, never read that. Oh, it's bad. They go to Genesha. <laughs> that's, the, that's the story that opens up, and he's like, I have brought Magneto's body to Genesha. Oh, right. And then Magneto yeah. shows up, and he said, I'm alive. No one wanted to go with Grant's idea. The uh, Rise of Skywalker to Grant Morrison's The Last Jedi. Oh, spoilers, 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 Chris. That's bad. Uh, <laughs> Everyone's seen it. <laughs> that's fair, that's fair. Uh, so, yeah, I think this can be the new 301. Uh, this is X-Man Messiah Complex. It's so bad, but it has that very it good was, t-shirt. It was bad. I'm a little mad at you that I had to waste a uh, half hour of my time reading that story. <laughs> One of my favorite things to do to guests that I'm friends with is to make them read bad comics. It's all I want to do in life is make people read bad comics. Well, on the, on the flip side, on the crisscross side, um, I picked this one and I love this story and I, I hope you loved it too. I, mm, uh, mm, this is, this is X-Men. This is X-Men 48. Beware Computo, commander of the robot hive. Before it was uncanny. Yeah. This is silver age. Uh, written by Arnold Drake, uh, with pencils by Werner Roth and Don Heck. Uh, and we don't really have much of the Arnold Drake run on here, so this is this is going to be interesting. Uh, You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, so at this point, the X-Men have, again, disassembled. Mm-hmm. Because uh, Professor Xavier got his head busted by Grotok, the subhuman. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and, and not Nick Fury said, you guys can't be superheroes anymore. Yep, the government intervened. And so they all went and got jobs uh, to have, a, like, a cover, an alias. Um, and what I, love, what I love about this is that Jean, I guess, in canon, is so beautiful that she just goes and gets a job as a model. And that's her cover. It is. A very easy thing to do. Uh, it's it's very Silver Age uh, female <laughs> writing. Sorry, guys. Uh, it didn't improve at all. 
Uh, and Cyclops also becomes like a journalist with probably no training whatsoever. Cyclops becomes a radio reporter. Cyclops has a podcast canonically, and I'm very here for it. <laughs> um, something else I picked out here was um, in the beginning scene, Jean shows off her powers by saving a light from falling on someone at this photo shoot. And one of the people there said that's the third near disaster we've we've missed this week. So, like, <laughs> if Gene wasn't there, these people would probably all be dead. Yeah, um, their OSHA rep needs to show up and really talk to them <laughs> about how to have a safe workplace. Because regardless, regardless of what you're trying to get done, safety should be the number one uh, thing in any work environment. Because the most valuable thing we have is our human uh, capital. Uh in which I mean people. Don't hurt people, guys. It's so easy. But Jean's in a good line of work because uh, the guy doing this photo shoot here, the second she saves his life, he offers to take her to dinner. And then what happens, Zach? Uh, Cyclops shows up and he says, Get your hand off of my warm <laughs> But apparently that's all a cover, too, because they discuss it afterwards, that this jealous boyfriend act, which I don't think they know how to create a cover or... An alias, a uh, uh, secret identity for themselves. No, the Silver Age X-Men, very dumb. They aren't smart. <laughs> I love them. They're, they're idiots. They're absolute idiots. Uh, then, they, oh, well. then they go fight Computo, uh, Commander yeah. Robot Hive. <laughs> and uh, one of, the, one of the, the Robot Hive is named Cybertron, so that's another Transformer crossover there. There is. They are the Cybertron robots. Uh, but actually, Computo uh, is not someone who's new it is quasimodo the sentient computer yeah, created by the mad thinker he's really the hunchback in notre dame it's a, quite the twist <laughs> okay but um, then they just blow it up also one of the one of the robots ends. one of the robots looks like a fish for some reason yeah uh yeah Werner roth just kind of wanted to draw what he felt like drawing at a certain point <laughs> um I don't know. This is I haven't revisited a lot of the classic X Men stories uh, since I read them the first time, but reading this was a lot of fun, and uh, just because it's so bonkers, and they seem to have just made it up as they went along, because uh, like what are the, the robots are like the stealing they're stealing equipment or something so they can build <laughs> lowercase <laughs> lower Prime. lowercase t transformers. Yeah, like the actual thing that you use to transform one voltage to a different voltage <clears throat> in electrical equipment. Yeah. It reminded me a lot of, um, did you see that X-Men cartoon, the the, the final decision or something? What is that episode? The last episode of the first season where they fight Master Mold? Yep. Yep. And uh, Scott and Gene in that one like stumble upon Master Mold in the cave and they save Senator Kelly. That was, it was very similar to this. Only it's not masterable, it's computer. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem though. There's no real driving force. They literally stumble into this plot. They're like, "Oh, well, it looks like they're stealing for my radio equipment. I will follow these mm -hmm. computers." Turns out it's a supervillain who, again, has no motive. It's wild and weird. It is, and it does tell us that the next issue we will uh, see Iceman and Beast face Matoxo the Lava Man. Yeah, and that, I made a note about that, because that doesn't happen. Well, it doesn't happen <laughs> in the 60s. But, you know who uh, saw that there was continuity that was wrong and said, I cannot stand for this? Uh, who? Kurt freaking Busiek. Uh, Kurt Busiek, oh, in the 90s. Tell me the story there. In the 90s, Kurt Busiek had a uh, holiday special that he was uh, writing for, for Marvel. 
And his story was Iceman and Beast reminiscing about the time they fought Metaxo the Lava Man. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's all. It, wow. He just See does that? a silver age. We're all, we're all learning something today. It's it's one of my favorite <laughs> weird pieces of continuity because that's a story that you could have just never told. And we all would have been fine. But yeah. Kurt Busick, Mr. Astro City himself, said, no, 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 no. These are superhero comics. There are rules. But John Byrne didn't want to revisit that in the Hidden Years, which John, I know you're a big fan of that series, John, right? John Byrne can go uh, <laughs> go pound sand. Uh, Kurt Music's great, actually. I love all of his work, a lot of his work. Uh, this story, not my favorite. Uh, there's a weird backup mm-hmm. that they were doing at the time. Yeah. That's just like eight pages of Beast saying, I'm Beast. Here's what I can do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seemed like around that time. So I read this... Uh, I have this issue. This is actually the oldest X-Men comic I own. Okay. I found it at a con for like not a lot of money, so I picked it up. Um, but I have the Masterworks volume, too. So I read this in that volume and noticed there are a bunch of backups around this time. It seemed like they were like, guys, here are the X-Men. You, you gotta like them, right? Look at these backups. And it didn't really work out. It didn't, though it does give everyone an origin, which they never had, which is, you know, it's neat, even if it doesn't, uh, it's, even if it's not good. Uh, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, this story, what what made you enjoy it so much? Because I'm I'm a noted Silver Age X-Men uh, opponent. <laughs> I'm an advocate for Jot, and you're an opponent of the Silver Age. This is fascinating. We're learning about each other. So many good things here, yes. <laughs> what I liked about this um, was I, li- I liked the art a lot, um, which... So who... Is the art by Don Heck or... Warner Roth, and both. then there's Pen Pal. There's both. The the it's a little confusing because like Chief Data Processor is Stan Lee. I don't even know what that means. If he just like he's like presenting it, he's or if he, like, came he's the story. He's at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, I I like the art a lot just because it's very. It reminded me a lot of like pop art, like um, uh, what is the name of that guy um who did the pop art paintings of like the romance comics? His name is slipping my mind. Oh no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're an art fan, Zach, I can see. Yeah, man. Um, I know who you're talking about. He was the 60s yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Andy yeah. Warhol. He painted some soup cans. Yeah, it's the other guy, uh, but I forget his name. I don't know. Um, who cares? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Anyways, these a lot of these panels of, like, Gene and stuff, it, it's just very retro, and, like, the art's very clean, the clean lines, and, um, you know, kind of like today's Mike Allred style. Um, so I just, I like the feel of it because a lot of the art from these old X-Men tales is not that great. No. Um, and there's one couple issues later that's a mess um, that I saw. But yeah, I, th- I think the art in here is pretty strong. And then, you know, I think as just a Scott and Jean fan, I like that these were like kind of formative moments in like their long history of like, you know, they do talk later like, oh, Cyclops was a radio guy and right. Gene was a model and stuff. So I think it's just like fun little tidbits like that to see that here. Um, in terms of relationship, there's not a lot here. I think at one point Cyclops, Gene calls him pal or something. Like, oh, just saving a pal. <laughs> and then like the last scene is Scott making this like Adam West Batman speech about evil in the world. And then Gene's like, yeah, whatever. I hope we're together forever. Yeah, it's very <laughs> so good. It's kind of weird, but it's funny. Um, so yeah, it's kind of like wacky and fun. So yeah, that's that's why I like it. But you know, we don't we don't have to share the same opinions, Zach. Oh, we don't. As X Men fans. <laughs> oh, we don't. I'm I'm sure of it because <laughs> actually we may share this opinion. Uh, do you think this is better or worse than the Neil Adams Savage Land story? Hmm. Well, 
I think that's more historic, so that has to be better. It also has very good Neil Adams art, so... Yeah. Is this better than the first issue of X-Men? Uh, hmm. <clears throat> you know? That's a tough question. Uh, probably... Well, again, that's more historic. You know, that built the foundation. We wouldn't have this without that. But I probably had more fun reading this than that. The same way a sequel in a movie series... The, the, the groundwork's been laid so you can have more fun. Does that make sense? It does. Uh, <laughs> what I'm trying what I'm trying to see, because I think we're in the right area. What are you trying to do, Zach? Are I'm, you trying to rank this? Yeah, I'm trying to rank this comic here. Uh, trying to think <laughs> through all of the nuances of it. Is this better or worse than the Spider-Man Wolverine story? Spider-Man versus Wolverine, where Spider-Man kills a person? <laughs> Was that the miniseries that they mentioned in the Marvel 1000? Uh, yes, it was, uh, Christopher Priest, uh, it was a, it was one issue, and Spider-Man definitely punches someone to death. Uh, I, I'd never read that. Oh, you have to. I know, yeah. But I think this was, I think I have more fun reading this comic than that. (laughs) Okay, well, I think, I think then this will go right above that, because there's a couple other comics right around here that I think are probably better, uh, like, Mm -hmm. uh, X-Men versus the Avengers, uh, one through four, or... Mm-hmm. The house party issue from X Men Evolution, which I love so much. Yeah, this is purely a fun candy pop issue. This is not God Loves Man Kills. Well, then that makes it our new number two twenty one, and we're done. Is that the that's the is that the highest highest placement from the show? Or uh, yeah, it is. That one's the best one Woo-hoo. from the show. Sorry guys, <laughs> we got some stinkers. We've actually we have not broken the top one hundred in a few weeks. <laughs> Sorry about that, everybody. Um, well, we kick off the new year on a, on a high note. Something like that. Uh, so, as we wrap up, I first want to thank again Alexander Lundquist uh, for supporting the show on Patreon. If you want to be like him, you can go on over to patreon.com slash Files, throw money our way. Uh, we're revamping the uh, Patreon stuff, and I swear I'm doing that today. I swear I'm doing that today. <laughs> uh so, you know, stuff's coming, but feel free to support if you want, uh, and you can be just like him. We'll do an episode or something about you. There's a lot. Hey, Chris, uh, thank you for being on the show. Where can people find you if they want to, you know, keep up with your twisted brand of humor? <laughs> uh, well, I'm on Twitter at uh, Chris A. Hassan, um, and that's where uh, I usually post about X-Men Monday updates and... Uh, just general X-Men stuff and comic stuff and life stuff and pictures of drinks and food sometimes. Um, every Tuesday, usually, we do the uh, X-Men Monday question, if it's a, a fan question week. Um, as of this recording, we just did one with Te- Teeny Howard, so uh, she'll be the next X-Men Monday uh, on the 6th. And uh, yeah, check back, check out our uh, X-Men Monday year-end edition, which just came out. It was a long interview with Jordan White. It was a great um, one, too. Worth checking out, folks. Oh, thanks. Thanks, man. Um, and yeah, just on a personal note, Zach, I just want to thank you and uh, Adam. Uh, you've always been really supportive of me and my uh, work at AAPT. Um, and, you know, like you said, you've helped out with Cyclops Week and uh, Uncanny X-Month. Um, and when I did that interview with you and Adam, like, over a year ago, um, but, like, what is X-Twitter? Like, I really didn't know what X-Twitter is. And I think uh, thanks to you and the support of Adam and everyone else that you guys know, like, um, it's really meant a lot to me, so so thanks a lot. Well, I'm I'm sorry that we cursed you with that knowledge. Uh, that's that's rough, <laughs> and I do apologize. But no, no, it's it's been great to get to know you over the last little bit as well, man. Yeah. All right. Uh, All right. Next week, uh, do you know what, do you know what we're we're cursing ourselves with next week, Chris? 
I don't. I have, I have no witty comeback. That's fine. <laughs> I'm bringing in a different Chris, a replacement Chris. Uh, Chris Edelman's going to be joining me to talk about oh, okay. the event. We're talking Onslaught. Oh, wow. But wow. until then, this has been Battle of the Atom. We hope you survived the experience. Get it!